What's up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. And we're finally in person. So it only took us 10 episodes. This is episode 10 of season two, and this is the first time we're in person. As you guys know, or maybe don't know, we do it over Zoom usually, but we're finally in person, and so hopefully it'll be more of a conversational episode today. We're talking about college basketball, and I've got Matt here right next to me. Matt, are you excited to be in person with me doing this podcast? Yeah, yeah, and hopefully it does sound a little bit better, um, because I know with kind of with Zoom and sometimes you have Wi-Fi issues, it, it sometimes it gets a little uh, gets a little squirrely, so now that we're in person, we're, we're doing this in the same room together, hopefully it sounds better, more cohesive, uh, and like Hayden said, we'll have a little bit more of a dialogue now, getting, getting, some, getting some early college basketball info for you guys. Yeah, so all right off the bat, we're, we're starting off strong here with, with Gonzaga. They were ranked number one coming into the season. Obviously, they lost to Baylor in the national championship last year, and they got trampled. So the big question was whether or not they would finish the season undefeated this year. And they already have two losses, so that is out of the question. But both of those losses were in the top 10 teams. So every year we talk about how their conference is too easy and how they won't be able to win it all and how they're, you know, when it comes when it comes down to crunch time in the tournament, they just aren't at that level that the other teams are at. And I'm going to ask Matt here, is this fair or is this pressure too much on them? So Gonzaga is like a polarizing team, I think. And and just to kind of give the backstory on, on the nature of this kind of phenomenon that we hear about every year in college basketball, Gonzaga is in the West Coast Conference, which is a conference obviously on the West Coast, but includes a bunch of teams like San Francisco and Santa Clara, Right. And, and there's some there's some OK teams. We have, you know, BYU's been been OK. And St. Mary's in the past has, has had some good years. Um, but but overall, there's a lot of teams that just don't have the, the level of competition uh, or, or even the strength of talent that Gonzaga has with all the players that they get. And it's, and it's obviously, you know, a, a props to Gonzaga and, and Mark Few, who's their coach to being able to recruit these guys from Canada and, and, and you know, Minnesota, all over the place. Um, and we see that, re- as of recently, a lot of the top draft picks have come from Gonzaga. And so they're definitely a solid team every year. But I think what ends up happening is they, because their talent is so much better than all the other teams they're playing, they always win all their games in the regular season, right? And so we, when we get to the time, you know, when we get to March Madness and all that stuff, they've won the regular season conference. They've gone through their tournament, uh, the conference tournament, and they've won all their games, and, and you know, they're, yeah, they're, they look like an amazing team. And then we get to actual March Madness where, you know, we're expecting them to do really well because normally by that point they've gotten the number, you know, a number one seed, uh, if not the overall number one seed with having the best record and best record resume up until that point and they'll lose you know in the first or second game and it's like dude you know what why can't they go further in the tournament because they have such a good record and they have such solid team uh, such a solid team and they've run through every single team that they've played throughout the season and a lot of people attribute that to the lesser competition that exists in the west coast conference itself and so that's kind of the big question here is like every year we hear this narrative of Gonzaga's great, you know, they have a good team, they're going to be ranked in the top five the entire season, they're only going to lose, you know, maybe once or twice, and they've been undefeated in the regular season 
before, got into March Madness, and then just sputtered out. And so the 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 real kind of the the two years in which that didn't happen was I think 2017. They got all the way to the championship game. They played North Carolina. Um, and they lost to North Carolina, so they got all the way there and then weren't actually able to win the championship. And then obviously we have last year as well, where you know they, they were the number one overall seed, they had won all their games, um, and, and they were looking really, really good. And they actually went through March Madness, got to the Final Four, played UCLA. Now UCLA was an 11 seed, as we all know, and that was a great run by them. Um, but Gonzaga, and they played an amazing game, and that was when Jalen Suggs had that like half-court shot at the buzzer to win it and like double overtime or something. Um, and so... That was kind of their their proof to everyone of like, look, you know, here we are. We're, we're we're actually here. We're going through March Madness. We're doing the run. Like everybody said that we couldn't. And then they faced Baylor in the championship game. And Baylor was a really solid team, probably the best overall team last year. And they lost by like 30 points in the national championship game. So it, it kind of is one of those scenarios again where it's like, okay, they played all these teams, in, these easy teams in the regular season, won all their games. Congrats to them. They played all these teams in March Madness, didn't have the, the, the best competition in their road to the championship championship game for March Madness um, and then just got crushed in the championship game and so kind of the the narrative going into this season as, as with every season really is like you know should we hold them to such such a high standard and always be giving Gonzaga a number one seat if they're never really able to to pull it off um, and at the end of the day I don't I don't think this is necessarily a fair argument to to put against Gonzaga and I think it's not even really a question of whether or not the pressure is too much it's more just like the randomness that's inherent in the sport of college basketball means that you're never really going to you like everything around you has to go right and for a lot of teams it just ends up being a lot of luck right i mean we see the the perennial contenders like duke and unc but that's because they've built the programs they have coaches who've been there forever and they're in really tough conferences right like the big 10 and the acc um you know historically have been the best conferences uh you know in college basketball and so when you have you know you're playing good competition throughout the year you kind of get hot in march it happens um but 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 we really don't see a team win the national championship in college basketball two years in a row ever right and much less even within I think within a five-year span right and so that's kind of the what I'm getting at here is like if we're going to place all these great expectations on Gonzaga we should also be placing those great expectations on teams like Duke and Michigan State North Carolina um, you know Kentucky all these teams who are who have been perennially great but and, and we have we hold them to a high standard but we don't really crush them when they lose uh, right. And so and so all of those teams are either going to they're going to go through the regular season, win a lot of games. They might have a bad game in March Madness and they'll lose. And I don't think we really kind of, you know, go after them as much as we do a Gonzaga if they lose. So so that's kind of my take on the on the subject here. And, and I think that, you know, it's it, now that they've already lost twice, I think they're going to obviously once we get into con conference play, they're going to continue to win all their games because they're going to play these easy teams in in uh, in their conference. But I think they do have a solid team this year. I just think that you know if they have another one number one seed and then we say, oh my gosh, they're going to win the championship, but they're probably not because they played all these easy teams. You know, I think it's it's just going to be a repeat of itself when it's like we can do that for any other team and say and pretty much get the exact same results. Yeah, exactly, and I like that Matt brought up the fact about. You know, that now that we're entering conference play, we <clears throat> started conference play about, I don't know, a week and a half ago. And so now that we're entering conference play, right, like their their only worry is really St. Mary's who give who sometimes gives them a run each year. But I mean every other every other team in their conference, they there's no worries for them. And so we saw and again, like their two losses might be you know, they're only two losses for the rest of the season, but they were out of conference and they were right at the beginning of the season. You know, we saw it against Alabama and Duke. They were those were the two teams that they lost against. And 
again, like that's an SEC team and an ACC team. And those are part, you know, two teams that are part of the Power Five conferences. And Gonzaga isn't part of the Power, isn't part of a Power Five, Power Five conference. But again, like Matt kind of covered everything. We see them year in and year out, just kind of when it comes down to the big games and you know big moments, they they can't really show up. And I'm going to take a different te- a different kind of position here. I think Matt said that we can't bash them for you know for not winning in in, in big games. I think we can because again, yeah, they have you know they have really easy conference games in conference games. They win all year, and you know they they can't like it's they can't be bashed for being in a bad conference. But at the same time, like they have great recruits coming in, and they develop you know they're able to develop guys like um, like Will Timmy and you know those guys. Like it's they they have guys that are experienced and. Now they have a lot of tournament experience with last year, so hopefully this year maybe they'll you know they'll show some kind of sign of of hope in the in the in the tournament. But again, like I I think that we can you know start to kind of question. Okay, well why aren't they possibly switching conferences? They could easily get put into the Pac-12. I mean they're over there on the West Coast. I think I don't know. I mean we're seeing all these conference changes with football. You, you know, circulating right now. And, and I think that, like, with basketball, it, I don't know, it may be a different process, but I feel like it's not that hard to, you know, to just move them to the Pac-12. And that makes them even more of a even more of a contender right off the bat because, again, they're playing, you know, they're playing teams like UCLA and Arizona and, you know, and um, uh, not Houston and Utah. And, like, these, these teams that have a chance to make a good run in the Pac-12 and, and you know, obviously in the in the – college football, um, I mean, in the college basketball tournament, so. Yeah, well, I think the only problem with the whole Pac-12 situation is, and we can probably, I mean, we should probably look into this a little bit more, but I'm pretty sure that the Power Five conferences have, like, some sort of requirement for the amount of students that go to the school, which is the only reason why Gonzaga hasn't been able to move to a Power Five conference as of yet, because the school is actually so small, like, it's it's basically the size of a normal high school, I think, um, and it's up there in you know in upstate Washington. So obviously, yes, it would be it would be beneficial for them to move to a Power Five conference because I think that would provide them with a lot more competition and a lot more. I guess it would it, we would kind of shy away from the argument of they don't play anybody, um, and, and so they're kind of gifted this number one seed. When rea- in reality, it's like do they actually deserve to be there? Um, I think it's again like I said the, with the Power Five schools. I think you have to have um, there, there's some requirement. On the limit of students that you have to have because you think about it, I mean all the power five school even the west coast ones I mean you know USC and, and Arizona State and, and Washington State Washington uh, University like they all have so they're huge state schools and they have a ton of kids there and so if you if you had Gonzaga I, again I don't know it would have to be it's there's probably some stuff in the bylaws of the NCAA or whatever but um, but I think that would be the next logical move if they could kind of get themselves into a position like that to actually be able to prove themselves and prove their team because they're always good and they actually have talent because as we saw last year and, and in years prior, they do sometimes, you know, move through the tournament and, and beat these solid teams uh, and win convincingly. But but right, if they were to have an entire schedule filled with really solid, you know, power five level teams, then, then I think that, that would allow kind of the, the public and the media to see Gonzaga play these 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 more talented teams um, and and, and kind of you know think think high think more highly of them or at least um, you know garner a little bit less of expectations. 
So the second topic we have here with college basketball is related to uh, the conferences so far this year. Um, and, and we kind of mentioned that a little bit with Gonzaga, but obviously the West Coast Conference is not going to be near the top of the best conferences in, in, in all of college basketball. And so last year, though, we we saw how good the Big Ten was, right? We had Illinois. They were in the top five all year, and it was like, wh- who, where did Illinois come from? Iowa was in the top ten. I mean, and obviously you have, you know, you had Michigan State and Ohio State and Michigan. They were all in the top ten, I think, as well. And so you went into March Madness with this, like, you know, this craziness of all these, ten, all these, you know, Big Ten teams are ranked in the top ten. They're all such high seeds in March Madness. You know, it, it, it was like almost overwhelmingly like, oh, the Big Ten is the best conference in, in college basketball. So all these teams are going to go really far in March Madness. A lot of people had Illinois winning it all. I know for a fact I had Illinois winning it, winning it all. Um, and, and really what we saw, which was so surprising, is that all of the Big Ten teams, I think at least, I mean, maybe all of them except for one or whatever, they were out in the first weekend, in the first one or two games of March Madness. They didn't even really make it past the Sweet 16. None of them did. Uh, and so really what we're kind of, you know, just to kind of get some early takes on the college football or the college basketball season here, um, the question is what's the top conference this year? Uh, and then also what conferences should we watch out for? <clears throat> All right. So to start off this topic, I'm, I'm just going to go out and say that the SEC, I think, is the, be- is the most solid conference in all of college basketball right now. And that that's really weird to say because we expect the SEC to be a big football conference. But I think they're, they're a, they've really become a big basketball conference just in the past, like, few years, you know, maybe five years. And just to kind of put it in perspective for you, I know the SEC doesn't have a – the SEC doesn't have a team in the top eight teams. And you might be looking at me like, okay, well, if they don't have a team in the top eight, then why are they the best conference in college basketball? Let's look at the top six teams in the AP poll rankings, all right? We've got Purdue which at number one, which is going to change when they come out with the next AP poll rankings because they, they just lost to Rutgers, which was a pretty bad loss, so they're going to drop from number one. But right now, we still got Purdue at one, which is Big Ten. Baylor at two, that's Big 12. Duke is ACC at three. UCLA, Pac-12. And then five is Gonzaga, and then obviously, you know, they're obviously in the, in the, in the WAC. And then we've got Villanova at six, which is Big East. So that's six different conferences in the of teams in the top six. Now that's in my opinion, that's pretty crazy. And then seven and eight, we've got Texas and Kansas, both Big Twelve. So you could be saying, okay, well Baylor's got three teams in the top eight. That should be enough to say, okay, well the you know they're the they're the best conference in college basketball. I don't necessarily think that's the case. We've seen Kansas kind of just fall off in in, in the past, you know couple seasons and Texas they're I think they're kind of a phony um, they're kind of a phony number seven right now they're six and two and I forget who they've lost to but it's it's not very good losses like their their losses aren't really to good teams and so I think I don't know why Texas is at number seven they're probably gonna drop as well in the next AP poll rankings but back to you know going back to the SEC the team the conference that I think is is the best we've got Alabama Kentucky at nine and ten. And then you've got Arkansas, Tennessee. Tennessee is one of those is one of those teams that kind of hasn't been at its best in a lot of years. But you know, this year that they've kind of turned it up. Arkansas we saw was was pretty good last year. They made a um, I don't know I think they made it to the Elite Eight, and I actually I think I actually picked them to go to the Elite Eight, which was pretty cool to see. Kentucky, right? Yeah, they're always good. And you know, we've got Auburn at eighteen, and we've got LSU kind of. 
uh, bringing up the rear at 25. So we've got, I think it's five or six SEC teams in the top 25. Yes, there's none in, in the top eight teams, and that's fine in my opinion. I think that the interconference play in the SEC will be really interesting, again, because there's so many teams that are, you know, good and, and, and solid teams. And so I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of, not really upsets, but we're going to see, we're kind of, we're going to, we're kind of going to get of, you know, a picture of who is, who's a real team in the SEC. You know, Alabama was pretty good last year too. Like I said, Kentucky's always been good, but I think, I think Florida was one of those teams last year that lost, they lost their best player. He had like a, he like collapsed on the, on the floor one time, I think. And so that was a huge hit to their team. They actually ended up not even really doing much at the end of the season. And LSU is one of those teams, again, they've kind of, you know, ever since Ben Simmons left LSU, they haven't really been able to do much, but they're kind of back in the back in the pack this year. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what the SEC does, but I also think that a team to, I mean, a, a conference to watch out for, and that's, you know, one of, our, one of our other questions here, is the Big Ten. The Big Ten's always a great conference. You know, they, they've got Purdue at number one, who's probably going to drop down, like I said. But again, like Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, those teams are always really they're they're always going to be contenders, and they're always going to be teams that you have to watch out for next year. I think last year, or not next year, but this in in any given year, last year I think was a fluke with the whole you know no Big Ten team making it past the Sweet Sixteen, even though all of them are good. We still have Illinois still has um, yet to bring back uh, Kofi. Uh, what's his Coburn. Name? Yeah, yeah, Coburn. Yeah, so they still have yet to bring him back, and when he once he comes back, then once they have a full team, basically that's healthy, they're gonna be just as good as last year, in my opinion. And so again, I think that they might make a good run in the tournament because they're gonna be a little bit salty from last year when they got knocked out. And yeah, I think I think it's just gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see between the SEC and the Big Ten, in my opinion, who who kind of goes into the tournament solid. But another thing that I think. A lot of people are getting wrong. A lot of people are judging the best conference in all of college basketball by how many teams they think are going to get into the tournament. I don't really necessarily think that's a, a good evaluation because, again, we've got different we've got different uh, amounts of teams in different conferences. So I've seen a lot of articles and websites saying, okay, well, there's this amount of teams that are probably going to make it in, into the into the tournament from you know, this conference, so they have to be the best conference. I don't think that's a really good evaluation. I'll hand it over to Matt to see what he thinks about that and about everything else that, that we've talked about so far. But, again, I think that's kind of unfair. Yeah, I agree with your take about the SEC. Um, well, somewhat. I, I have my own answer for who the best conference is this year. But uh, I, it's, it's, it is it's kind of cool to see these teams like Alabama and, and, and Tennessee – uh, do well and LSU, you know, do well as of as of recently. Um, and obviously, we we say that you know, coming off of co- off of a college football season in which all we talk about is the SEC and all we talk about is Alabama football and you know and, and LSU and Georgia and all that. But but it is it is I think it's it's really been a while since a team from the from the SEC besides Kentucky, obviously, um, has had has had really extreme success. And I think the cool thing is that. Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky's good. I mean, I think they're, I don't exactly know what, what they're doing right now. Yeah, they're 10. So, so they still are in the top 10, and they'll always have, you know, with John Calipari there. He'll, he'll always be putting a team together of, you know, of, of, of five stars and couple all-Americans. But um, 
But right, so I think to kind of see that, the, that Kentucky actually has some competition here this year, that's going to be really interesting going down the road. Um, and I do think they can kind of make some noise here. Obviously, we already saw a team like Alabama can just go up against Gonzaga and win. So um, so hopefully they – but they also had a bad – I think bad loss earlier in the season too. So, um, so yeah, so so it's all kind of going to figure itself out here. But my answer for the top conference, and Hayden mentioned it, it's a little bit of a cop-out answer, but the Big 12 is, is, is it for me. Um, there's three teams in the top ten right now. Texas, is, like Hayden said, is going to be is going to drop down a little bit. They lost a seat in Hall the other night, um, and, and a little bit more on them later. But uh, but yeah, I mean they have Iowa State. I think is ranked in, is ranked fifteenth or something. They're undefeated still. Um, Texas Tech we just saw took down Tennessee. So I mean you want to talk about the prowess of the SEC? Texas Tech went into Tennessee and, and won the other night. Um, and so they have a, they have a pretty solid team. And then Oklahoma um, we saw last night beat um, who did they who did they win against? Um, I saw. They they beat a ranked team last night. It was an overtime, um, but it was still a good game. So they're going to have a solid team. Oklahoma is, uh, and then obviously you know Kansas State and Oklahoma. They're they're not you know they're kind of lurking on the outside there, um, always kind of in the Big Twelve when it comes to basketball. But you have your powerhouses. You have Baylor. You have Kansas, and they'll be able to kind of carry the 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 um, you know the strength of the conference here going forward. But but I do think that they will probably end up because the Big Twelve just kind of always ends up being solid, right? They're not necessarily going to win. You know, not necessarily ever really gonna kind of gain the the exposure and and the and the and you know kind of the the great you know analysis and and praise that we that we had for the Big Ten for as example last year. But uh, but but they'll always win their games and, and they'll get to the tournament and they'll do and they'll play solidly. Um, that's really all you're looking for when it comes to the success uh, in terms of a, a college uh, you know basketball conference. So. That's that's kind of my top comments right now. The Big Twelve, and we'll we'll kind of continue this this topic a little bit down the road here. And then in terms of a conference to look out for with some teams that can be really good is the Big East. And so I mentioned uh, I mentioned Seton Hall before. They've already had some great wins. I think they beat Ohio State too. Um, and, and then they beat Texas the other night. So so they've had a really good season so far. They they've suffered some bad losses. So I think that might even be kind of the the tail of the tape as we get to March Madness and talking about resumes and who deserves to be in over who else uh, is going to be a lot of these kind of good wins versus bad losses. But but yeah, but Seton Hall's a good example of a of a Big East team that's doing well. Vill, Villanova obviously is the class of the Big uh, Big East, and they always have been. Um, and and then uh, and then Creighton as well. Who who you know they they were up. You know, probably five-ish years ago, they were they were always you know a two or three seed when it came to March Madness, and they you know they were great with uh, with with um, uh, who was it? Doug McDermott was the uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because Sean McDermott's the, the coach yeah. of the Bills. I always get them mixed up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it was Doug McDermott. Yeah, he was great when he played for them. So uh, and I think I think his dad coaches the team, and he still does. Um, they're gonna be good this year, so so we'll see kind of how that goes. Um, but but I do like the Big East when it comes to a little bit of you know surprising and Marquette actually has been they've had some good wins and they they have a, a big game coming up against Illinois today so we'll see how that goes but they've been winning some close games and and I think they can make make some noise here too as in terms of you know being a really solid team here um, and then uh, and then I think you know too like when it comes to talking about these college basketball conferences it's important to mention that you know. It, 
once we get into the conference play, it's it's really going to be almost a crapshoot, right? Like, there's a lot of teams who are going to lose to bad teams, and it's so hard to go away from your home court and win these games. And that's really the beauty of college basketball is you see all these crazy upsets happen, and you know, and, and no team is really going to going to stay on top for too long. Um, so so that's kind of the cool thing uh, as we talk about in terms of the you know the the as we go forward with the college basketball season and just in general talking about the, the better conferences like yeah you know the, the the good conferences will have a lot of ranked teams as Hayden said but I don't think and and like he mentioned with teams getting into March Madness that, that shouldn't necessarily judge the strengths of the conference because you because you have when when there are conferences in which a lot of the teams are beating up on each other I think that makes for better basketball yeah for sure and I yeah that, that was a great point just kind of just add on to my point about again however many teams are making it into the play I mean into the tournament from your conference, just yeah, it should not judge whether or not you're a good conference or not. Because again, like Matt said, you're gonna have like within conference play, you know, with a bunch of teams playing each other twice throughout the season, they're probably gonna go one and one with that team. You know, it's gonna be one home game, one away game for for most teams that, that play each other twice. And so it's just again, like we see all the time in college basketball, the team that has home court advantage, you automatically pretty much give them like a 10-point a advantage in, in that game. And so the away team has to play 10 points better. Um, there, there was a coach, I forget who it was. It was somebody, it was a good team that, oh, it was Purdue, I'm pretty sure. Um, so Purdue lost to Rutgers and when Rutgers was, was at home. And the Purdue coach afterwards said, basically like, you have to play so much better when you're away because you know you're you're basically already giving up ten points with home with home court advantage to the other team and so I I thought that was a pretty good you know kind of that was a pretty good breakdown of 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 how college basketball goes because it's that's the reality of it is that home court advantage matters so much and again if if you're an away team even if even if the other team is you know as bad as Rutgers and even though yeah they're in the same conference like they're super bad but they're still gonna you know, have an edge on you because, again, they have home court advantage and they have that, you know, chippiness of, of, of in-conference play. Well, and the other thing with that, too, is, like, if you're a top team, whether you're in, you know, whether whether it ter- in terms of being a top team in your conference or just overall, as we saw with Purdue, you know, a couple days ago, like, if you're a top team, you're going to get everyone's best every night. And so not only do you have to deal with going into – another team's arena with all their fans cheering on their team and you know and it being such a such a such an intense environment you also have to worry about the fact that you know if you're that top team if you're ranked number one or and anywhere inside the top five you know you you not only have to maintain your your standard and your level of play and and the talent that that your team has but but you have to endure the other team's uh, the other team's kind of fans and, and their home arenas, but you also have to realize that yeah, sure you can gain that. You can you you're playing against the ten point disadvantage already, but you also get the best effort from the team that you're playing because let's face it, a team like Rutgers like they probably won't make it to to March Madness, right? And so a win like this defines their season, and so you have to think about it in terms of if if a team is going to play you like that. Or, you know, if you're going to, to another team's place, like, not only are they going to play you hard just because it's their home arena, but they're also going to want to throw their best shot at you just to have a chance to say that they beat, you know, a top-ranked team. And so this is a perfect example of it where, you know, Rutgers, right, they may not make to the championship or, you know, 
anywhere close to that. They may not even make March Madness. Um, but 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 this type of win is 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 really what they can look back on and say, hey, we did that, right? Um, and so you see that with a lot of these smaller teams and, and a little you know a little bit worse teams in the conferences that when they do get to play the bigger teams, and we see this with Kansas all the time too, because they've been good for so long that whenever they go to Kansas State or you know they 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 go to to uh, you know like a, a a smaller team in the Big Twelve, um, you know they're always kind of it's it's like a storming the court thing when you beat Kansas at home because it's such a big deal and, and those teams are trying their best to beat you because you're because you're already so talented and, and ranked so high. Um, so that's another disadvantage I think that you kind of have going going into a place like that. And so that makes it almost even more impressive for those top ranked teams who stay undefeated and, and keep winning throughout the year is because they haven't really they've been able to overcome the disadvantages that come with going to another team's arena. Not only in the in the in the environment and, and the intensity that, that comes with that, but also the fact that they're going to get the other team's best shot. Yeah. So moving on to our third topic of the day, we've got a topic on the ACC. Now, you you probably realized that the ACC was nowhere in any of our talks about the best com- being the best conference in college basketball, and that's for a reason. It's because Duke is really the only contender in the ACC this year. You know, we've got UNC. It's it's not even in the top 25, you know, they're kind of out of there. Uh, UVA, you know, Matt's alma mater and my, and you know, the school that I go to right now, it's really disappointing to see them. They're six and four right now. They just lost to JMU, which was so sad. We scored 14 points in the first half. Like it, it was the most UVA thing possible because we don't have any offense whatsoever, but this year we don't have a defense to back up our bad offense. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really bad at UVA. You know, our we have, you know, I'm I'm able to get tickets to basically every basketball game, which in past years that was basically impossible because yeah, you know, that never happened when I was there. Yeah, exactly. I'm I, I've I've gone to two basketball games in a row, so it's yeah that, that that's how you know when you're pretty bad. But again, yeah, UVA, who's been a strong contender in the ACC in the past, is just not up there this year, and they won't be, especially when it comes to conference play. They. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, and you know, you know, UNC always always a big contender in the ACC. They're out of there, and so again, Duke is definitely the 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 resounding yes when it comes to ACC basketball. You know, that's the only team that anybody could really be confident in in the ACC. And so our question here is not really about ACC basketball itself, but our question is: was it was it the right decision for Coach K to retire? After um, after UNC lost Roy Williams and basically you know UVA and FSU are on and and I mean UVA and Florida State are in rebuilding years and so is it kind of the right time for Coach K to go after Roy Williams retires or announces his retirement at UNC? This is kind of you know the fall of the ACC I feel like but again I'm just gonna let Matt kind of kind of um, tune in here. Yeah, it could be. Um, but but I think this really depends on the, the reason why Coach K is retiring. Obviously, he's been there forever, right? I mean, it's, you know, like the amount of time that he's, that he's been coaching at Duke is, is, is absolutely crazy. And, and he's won so much while he was there and, and so many ACC championships, so many you know, national championships in, in March Madness. Um, that like, if he's, t- if he's retiring because He's actually tired of coaching basketball, which again I, I totally understand if that's the actual reason. Then, then it makes sense, right? But 
the rumors that were going around at the end of last season, because again, they didn't make it to the tournament last year. Duke didn't make it. And so you saw these teams like UNC and like, you know, UVA and Florida State who had been really raising their game over the past five to 10 years and, and, and had been competing in the ACC, had been competing in March Madness and, and had really solid teams. And Duke was almost left behind, especially because of how the 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 kind of you know, one-and-done phenomenon was working, right? And you saw this with Kentucky John Calipari. He's been doing it forever, where you just load up all your stars who are freshmen uh, in, in college, you know, the, the high school stars from the previous year, freshmen in college. They only play a year, then they go right to the NBA. And and, and Duke had a lot of them, right? I mean, you think back, you know, we, we, we had a whole segment on Zion Williamson the other the other week, like, you know, he did that. Brandon Ingram, um, you know, there's there's a ton of Cam Reddish. Like, you see, you think of all these teams, all these guys who, who have been such great, great Duke stars um, who, who've gone on in the NBA and had real success. So he's definitely had these great players. But I think the past two years are really signifying that, you know, maybe maybe Coach K wasn't as successful as other coaches when it comes to building these teams of, of five-star freshmen who are going to play for one year and then go on to the NBA. Um, he was, I think, more known for being able to build a team year after year, establish the talent, say, you know, basically kind of tell the team, like, here's who's going to be starting and tell, and instead of, you know, the, the freshman coming in and being like, hey, I'm better than everybody else and I'm going to start anyway. And so he was able to compete for a little bit, as we said, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the good players that they did have. But I think that over the past couple of years, he kind of started to realize, like, this is probably just not my game anymore. And that was the main rumor that we had after the at the end of last season that was basically, like, he was he was pretty much like, all right, I'm going to coach one more year. I'm going to basically do my victory lap farewell tour, uh, and, then, and then I'll be gone and I'll retire after that. And I think the main reason was because it was kind of like, hey, I'm just, I don't really, he didn't really like the, he didn't really like how college basketball was changing in terms of the one and done rule. Um, and, and, and so he was like, you know what, I'm just going to move on from this. But it's so funny that, you know, this year we see that the, the entire ACC is really struggling and, and, and there's no good teams. And as Hayden mentioned, Duke is the really the only, they're number three in the country. They're going to go up to number two once, or once Purdue uh, goes down next week. And so they're going to run through the ACC. They're not going to lose any games uh, and they'll probably win the ACC championship by the end of the year. And they have a really solid team um, and, and their star, Paolo Bancaro, uh, is he's a beast. I mean, he's he's going to yeah. be he's going to be, you know, a, a, probably a top three draft pick. In the next, you know, in the next NBA draft. So again, there's, you know, there's another example, a freshman who's just going to move on and, and, and be done with Duke. But still, they have a really solid team. And so it's, it's actually kind of interesting how in the year that's like his farewell tour, you know, don't expect Duke to be great because he's not going to really put his all into coaching and recruiting and all of this. They're so good. And so it's kind of, you know, I think if, if the reason, if the real true reason for him retiring is because he didn't want to keep or he didn't know how to or he he didn't feel like keeping up with the one and done situation in college basketball and just recruiting all these freshmen uh you know these five stars out of high school who were just going to leave after a year and 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 kind of keep the team as a perennially good and solid contender in college basketball and one of the best teams in the nation every year if he didn't want to do that and that's that's why he's retiring I don't think it was the best decision at all um especially and, and obviously he wouldn't have been able to predict how bad the, UC, the the ACC is this year so far um but but I think that you know 
it, it, if, if, if he's actually tired with college basketball and wants to actually retire to, to spend time with, you know, for himself and his family and whatever, like that's, that's obviously a necessary reason. But if it was like, Hey, I'm just done with this because I can't compete. And, and, you know, I'm just going to kind of be a sore loser and, and sit down here. Like that's not the best decision ever. I feel like, you know, he's such a proven coach. People are going to want to go to Duke forever. So, so, so if that, that's, that's what I'm saying. It kind of depends on the reason why he's retiring is, is to, kind of the answer to the question here, like, was it the right decision? If he wanted to retire, to actually retire, totally the right decision. If he wanted to retire because he didn't think he'd be able to compete in, 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 the, you know, in the future and whatnot, then I don't think it's the right decision at all. Yeah, so I'm going to kind of go off on a, on a little limb here and say it, kinda, it, it seems a little bit like, you know, kind of how everything's set up so far with, again, UNC losing Roy Williams and UVA and Florida State, the only other two, you know, really big contenders in the ACC with them in rebuilding years. It seems like a little bit of a kind of like villain story where, you know, or a, like a good guy villain story. Obviously, you know, nobody's a villain in college basketball. But I think that, you know, Coach K being the good guy, it, it's like when you, when you, or no, no, Coach K would be the villain, sorry. When you lose kind of like the good guy or, you know, your when you lose your competition, there's kind of like no point in you coaching anymore. It's it, again, it's kind of like the same thing with villains in movies. When you lose, you know, the good guy who's your arch nemesis, there's no point in being bad anymore. There's no point in, in, in doing harm anymore. And so I think that's kind of how Coach K approached it. Was like, okay, well now that Rory Williams is gone, you know, and and these other t- these other big teams in the ACC are gone, there's not really any point for me to co- coach anymore. Now again, that's not like Matt said. That's not a reason. This this wouldn't be a reason to leave college basketball altogether, but I think that you know it, the the way that things have set up, that's it's kind of looking like that, and I also agree with Matt when he says that you know if if he's mad about or not mad if if he's not liking the way that college basketball is developing in terms of the one and done guys that just go to the NBA right after you know right after they're done at Duke, I think I I don't think that's a really good excuse either because again, you know you've got like. If, if you're going to keep on winning championships or if you're going to keep on winning, you know, winning games and putting yourself in a position to where you can possibly make it to the, you know, make it to the to, to the final game of the tournament and win it, then why not keep coaching? You know, I mean, he's he's pretty old. He doesn't really look like it, but he's I mean, he's, he's an old guy. I think he's like high seven or low 70s or something like that. I mean, he's yeah. So he's getting to, you know, getting towards the end. But again, like as long as you're still out there and your guys are still playing well especially when when all the other teams in your conference are falling off i feel like that's the that's the you know that's the time to take advantage of it but again i mean coach k's been coaching for i don't know like 50 years and so you can't really you know you can't really say anything about him and, and say okay well you're wrong because again he's, he's he has a lot of time to think about this and he's probably thought it all through and you know it's we still got to celebrate his great career because again like he's had you know possibly the greatest college coaching college basketball coaching career ever you know behind maybe behind a couple other guys you know back in the old days but again like he's in terms of modern coaches he's definitely the best one still left in terms of legacy and so you know it's he he had a great career and you know it at the end of the day it's up to him and it's you know it's kind of sad to see two greats and and Roy Williams and coach K leave back to back but it, again you know you you kind of just got to celebrate them and 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 look for the next guy. Next guy that's gonna step up, and you know, possibly lead Duke to you know more championships. So, 
I think that's a really interesting kind of way that you phrased it. I, and, and it's, it, it, it does kind of sound like kind of like a, like a movie story, right? Where we see that in, in, in TV, special movies where it's like, oh, you, the, the bad guy doesn't have anybody to beat anymore. So it's like, what's his purpose, right? Um, but, but in terms of, I mean, when we're talking about a sport like college basketball, it's like, wouldn't you, I mean, it's, you would probably want to take advantage of of, of a bad situation and, and yeah. be winning all the time, um, and, and so and so right and so I, maybe he did see this coming though. You know, maybe Hayden has a point, and it's like he kind of realized, all right, well, Roy Williams is 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 gone in UVA. You know, they won a championship, so they're obviously kind of gonna have to be in a rebuilding situation now. And uh, and Leonard Hamilton, who's the coach of Florida State, he's he's been there for a really long time too, and he's in, I think he's seventy or something, so he might even be gone pretty soon too. So it might just be an entire overhaul of the entire conference as a whole but I think that's kind of the the interesting situation and that's really what I was kind of saying way earlier is like you know it's 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 funny how he announces retirement but now it's like the entire thing is open for him to actually win and and we and really and, and like we see this with Gonzaga too is like if your conference is bad and you win all your games in your conference and you have a good record especially if you're a storied program like Duke like you can basically just guarantee yourself the number one seed in it, or a number one seed in the tournament for the next, you know, five to ten years until basically you have a worthy opponent kind of, you know, show themselves in the ACC here. So that would be kind of the the only thing that I would say is like, I do I do get the whole villain thing, and, and it may be true where he's just like, you know what, let's just kind of let's just kind of get rid of everything, right? And, and the ACC is just going to kind of have to do a whole an entire overhaul here. Um, and, 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 you know, and he'll just kind of, he'll, he'll kind of ride on from the sunset. But I think that, you know, for as like, competitive as a guy as he is, like he would want to win as much as possible and you're not going to really be able to win more than, you know, I mean, right now when you have, when you can take advantage of, of the, of how the conference is, is really down. And, and it's interesting too, because we've seen conferences in the past. Like I was going to, I was actually going to make this point when I was talking about the big East is like the big East used to be the best conference in college basketball every single year. Like hands down it just it was the sec it was it was what the sec is for football uh for college basketball was the big east because you had teams like syracuse michigan state west virginia i mean yukon when yukon was really good um you know all these teams louisville when they were really good so it, they were big east was always the top college basketball conference um and then it kind of got it kind of got uh it got a little bit messed up in in terms of the so they basically I don't even remember do you remember what happened Aiden? I don't even remember how they broke up yeah I don't I, th- I think they just I, it was kind of like a like the what's happening in the Big 12 and college football I think like a lot of them just left yeah, and yeah. just went to like other conferences yeah so that was probably yeah I think that that, was, that might have been it there was there was some like yeah it might have been a money thing too. I don't, I'm not exactly sure but anyway so yeah so a lot of basically what happened was a lot of the teams either went they went to the ACC, so like Louisville, Louisville and Syracuse, you know, they, they all went to the ACC, um, and 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 some, you know, like West Virginia went to the Big Twelve, but um, but then the other schools kind of created a small, small. Well, the Big East wasn't even a conference for a couple of years, and then the and the smaller teams in the conference created kind of a, a second version of the Big East. So, um, and that that was all of recent. That was almost like you know that was like ten years ago. Well, all within ten years, pretty much. Um, and so, and so that was kind of the big deal there was like, you know, all right, well, if you can be good, but if you're not in the big East, like you're really not going to have a chance to be considered as like one of the top teams in college basketball. But now we actually have so much diversity in terms of who the, who the top conferences are. And as I said, you know, it sounds like, like if I was to tell someone, you know, 15 years ago, 
it's a surprise that the, that the Big East is going to be a, a little bit competitive uh, in terms of kind of the, the Power Five conferences that we already have. You would look at me like like I had three heads because you're like, that, what? The Big East is the best conference like ever. So so look into that if you haven't if you haven't and, and you're interested because I think it was a kind of an interesting turn in in college basketball. Whereas like if we thought about that happening in football, what Lewis like Hayden said, the kind of the Big Twelve was breaking up a little bit now. But if if that was to happen with the SEC, right, a, a, a conference yeah. that is considered the best. You know, and it, by far, um, that's essentially what it was like, and so it was this kind of really weird shakeup, and and I think it was honestly good. I think they were the 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 uh, you know kind of the effect of it was was overall positive because now we can actually have an argument, right? We can say, all right, well, last year, yeah, yeah, the Big Ten was the best conference because all our teams were ranked so high, and and the competition was really was really great. But then obviously you you hear this episode, right? Me and Hayden both had different answers for who the best conference was this year, who we projected to be, and neither of them were the Big Ten, right? And so, whereas, like, you know, 10 years ago, you would have said, okay, well, it's only the Big East for, for that, that. Like, this wouldn't even be a topic or point of discussion. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that kind of going back to what Matt said earlier in his little spiel there was about, you know, Duke kind of being Gonzaga-esque in the, in the, in the sense that they don't have, a, you know, they don't really have a good conference, and then they... When when it comes to conference play, they're not going to really be going up against a lot of a lot of competition in their own conference. And so, you know, again, we saw Duke beat Gonzaga, and we've seen Duke repeatedly beat teams that that you know are are good wins. And so we know that they can win win big games. But I'm I'm a little bit afraid that they might end up like Gonzaga in the tournament again with this you know ACC play that's just not competitive at all because. While they can beat big teams, you know, they're going to have a really big gap in their schedule of where they're actually playing competitive teams, you know, time after time like they will in the tournament. So I feel like they might go on a little bit of – they might get a little bit too comfortable, a little bit too complacent in their, you know, in their place in the tournament. And they might be surprised by, you know, by a good team in, in, in the beginning of the tournament. Again, we've but we've also seen Duke, even when they are good and even when the ACC has been good, like they, they had um, – Two like it was like two times in the span of three years where they lost in the in the in the first round when they were a two seed. They lost to Lehigh as the fifteen seed, and then it was um what's that? It was, it's that orange and black team. Mercer. Like, yeah, Mercer. Yeah. Like, yeah, they lost to Mercer. They like were, it was two a years three later. seed, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was basically the same concept. You know, they they had such good runs in the regular season, but when it came down to tournament time, they lost a little bit of that of that swag, and so I feel like that might happen again this year. Again, they're going to win all their games in the ACC, like Matt said, but they, they might turn into a little bit of a Gonzaga-esque type team. So Yeah, I agree. And and I think that kind of the, the overarching point here, especially when we're refer- referencing the Big Ten of last year going into the tournament and, and losing so so early, it was like, well, all of this, all of what we said about the Big Ten and how great they were is really essentially null and void right now because all their teams lost early. So, so it was almost like this weird kind of, it, it was like a paradoxical situation where it was like, we've been... We've been praising this conference for being so good, and all the teams are so good, you know. And, and then they get to March Madness, and it was like, was this was this basically just a fraud all along? And it, like, they, it only looked so good because because the teams were just beating up on each other, and it was like, you know, a team would lose to you know, another really great team, and then you'd have. But it was like, were those teams actually good, or we were 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 we just projecting them to be so good because we thought that the games looked tough, and and that and that there were a lot of competitive teams. Um, I think that probably the the the, the better answer, obviously. Uh, or honestly, is like they really just wore each other out, right? And 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 we see that a lot of the times where you you end up kind of in this situation where once you've gone through a grueling schedule and going to other places and and having to beat teams that 
you know, that are also really solid um, and, and enduring such a, a long season like that and getting beat up and having your players hurt and having to get back and, you know, and, and keep going on the road. And then you have a, a crazy conference championship where you're playing like another, you know, six or seven games, depending on how far you go. You, it's easy to to actually you know become tired from that. As much as it seems like college athletes are just always on the grind, it's like to a certain extent. Once you've already exerted so much of your energy and 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 everything that you have into these games that are specific to your conference, once you get to March Madness, you're like, dude, I can't even do that. I'm so tired. And so you start seeing stuff that's that's different from what you're used to from you know from the the style in which the Big Ten teams played. And, and I think that's really what ended up happening. And so. That is kind of then the conundrum that we will run into as Hayden just made the kind of the Duke and Gonzaga comparison is like they won't really face that tough competition within their conference, so they may not get tired out during the regular season. They'll enter March Madness with you know with with really you know fresh fresh energy and, and ready to go. Um, but but then it but then you run into the to, into the kind of the uh, the situation where it's like. Well, you may be ready to go, and you may have won all your games, and you're, and you know, you don't have to face this tough competition, so you can actually really prove your stuff now here in March Madness. But it's like if you haven't faced a tough competition, then you're not ready for it when it actually comes, you know. And so it's like this kind of this this double edged sword, which I think really is what makes college basketball so great, is because it is a long season, and they actually do play so many games, but there's it really just matters how your team is able to come together in the right moment and get hot when it counts. And, and that's going to, what's that's, what's going to propel your team to victory. It's not just, Oh, well you played in a tough conference, so you're going to make it to the final four, but you know, you lost this game early against, you know, against, you know, Southern New Hampshire. So I think that we're probably going to have to put you back for this spot where we're projecting you to go. No, you know, that, that none of that stuff should matter. It, it should be who the, who the best conferences are, who the best teams in those conferences are. Um, but but then again, you know, you think about, okay, well, the, the best teams in the best conferences may not be the best answers in terms of who's actually ready to play when it comes time to March Madness. So that's why you really can only watch the games play out as they are and, and I think really celebrate how, how tough it is to actually get there. Because you think about it, you go through an entire conference championship and that's already six or seven wins that you have to accrue. Then you get to the March Madness, you have to win another set. Game. So it's like to be able to you know consistently hold that you know that that level of play and be that hot for that long is is really really tough and that's why we see a lot of these conference champions who make it through their tournament you know and and, and they play so well and everything and they're really hot coming into March Madness they really aren't able to perform as well because they kind of just lost that mojo um, and 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 then another team will take over you know who may have not performed too well in their conference ter- tournament depending on how you know str- strong or not their conference is they'll make a run in March Madness and so it really is completely random which is obviously why all of our brackets are busted by you know by the by the for after the for all the first games are done um but again that that's kind of the fun of the sport in my opinion yeah exactly i think that was a great way to kind of wrap up what we've got here for today again i hope you guys enjoyed the college basketball talk today it's kind of the first our first i mean the title of the episode is early college basketball takes and so it's kind of our first you know um dive into college basketball this season and again i'm Super excited to kind of get more into it as the both of the football seasons wrap up because again, like once we you know, once we get into that end of January slash February time, like that's that's when college basketball is really, really at its peak, other than, you know, obviously the tournament. But yeah, we'll have we'll have more college basketball for you guys coming in the future. We may here and there kind of like substitute it for either NBA or NHL, depending on whether, you know, kind of just depending on what happens and the news. In, in each category because 
right? If there's nothing exciting going on in the NHL, but there's a bunch of upsets in college basketball, then we'll probably go over those instead. So yeah, if you guys are liking the college basketball talk, then you know make sure to stay tuned for future episodes because we'll probably try to include it and possibly for future Saturday episodes if there's nothing to talk about with you know bowl games or or, or NFL playoffs or whatever then we'll probably go into that in, in, in future Saturday episodes as well. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, it's it's nice to be, you know, sitting here in real life um, with, you know, doing the podcast with Matt. But we, we're probably going to be going back to our, our Zoom days uh, here pretty soon. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys on Tuesday.